You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast, episode 84. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Neverland. Hello, Neverlanders. Do you have your pixie in your pocket? We have a lot of fun to do, so you better have your pixie with you. Now, pull that pixie out of your pocket. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust. Time to get those happy thoughts. We got to fly to Neverland, and we're going to have a great time today. We are loaded with special guests because today is a very special day. Actually, yesterday, Saturday, July the 11th, was even more special because it was the official 60th anniversary day for Disneyland. So we got a party around here. We're having an official birthday party for Disneyland. And so we've got ourselves a nice little round table. In fact, it might be a round table pizza for anyone who gets that one that's in the room, at least. But we have <laughs> Mr. Paul Berry from Window to the Magic. Window to the Magic. Now we need an echo effect for surround yourself. With the magic. Woo, see? <laughs> it's almost enchanting. I figured I did that every time they introduced me on the uh, Skywalking Through Neverland, so I'll do it here, too. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Sitting next to him is our own lost boy, Jesse Stevenson. Hello, hello, hello. Back again with some history. And also returning for his second appearance, Mr. Lost Boy Eric Warren himself. Ahoy, ahoy. And meeting him for the very first time is Magic Joe. Hello, hello. Now, for anyone not familiar with Magic Joe, he's done some really cool segments on Window to the Magic. Uh, let's see, you have a specific name for those. What do you call those? Uh, let's see, I can't remember it. My mem- <laughs> uh, oh, my, my Disneyland memories. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of it either. That's why I tossed it to you. <laughs> he, he's a comedian, folks. He's here all the week. <laughs> nothing up my sleeve and nothing funny either. But yes, great memories. Basically, he's taken and recorded all these memories. Uh, when he was a kid, he'd take a tape recorder into Disneyland, record his favorite attractions, and he still has the tapes, which is fantastic. So yeah, I've been really enjoying listening to, to Disneyland. Be- well, of course, I've never been there anyway, but you know, before I even thought of it, you know, really great stuff. So this is our panel that we have, but before we get started, we've got some really interesting movie news. Your attention, please. Disney movie news. All right, I'm going to begin with something that just was announced earlier this week. Marissa Tomei has been cast to play Aunt May in the upcoming Spider-Man reboot. Yes, Spider-Man is getting a reboot for the third time in, has it even been 15 years? (laughs) But uh, we're expecting this film in uh, 2017, I believe, if not 2018. But the first appearance we're going to see of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe official Spider-Man will, of course, be in Marvel's Captain America Civil War. Uh, I have not heard that Marissa Tomei will be making any sort of appearance in that film. Now, of course, I don't think of Marissa Tomei as being old enough to play Aunt May, but, you know, she has been around for a little while, so I guess she has aged since uh, I really was paying attention to anything she did. Uh, so I haven't say, can't say that I've been a huge fan of her. She is talented, and I have seen her in a few movies. Uh, I was, I'm a little... Not sure what I think about this. So far, to me, the perfect Aunt May was in those first three movies. She looked the part. Uh, Sally Field really didn't look the part, but I think she was a pretty good Aunt May for what they were uh, attempting to do. Uh, Marissa Tomei seems like she's too young for the part, but like I said, she's older than I remember her, I would say. So how she'll be presented as Aunt May will be different. Um... I really expect to see the elderly aunt that that I'm used to from the comics, but, uh... I think they're trying to pull in a little bit of the Ultimate Comics uh, sensibilities where you have a slightly younger-seeming Aunt May. Uh, Marissa Tomei, I'm not sure how old she is. She could be in her 50s by now. Uh, But uh, we'll just see. You know, it seems to me a very peculiar casting. 
but you know, I'm I was very skeptical with those last couple of movies, and I ended up enjoying you know uh, the films. They're very different and not quite what I was expecting. Uh, so even though this is something that doesn't necessarily sound like good casting, when I see the film, I may completely change my mind because uh, I, I am going to see these because they're Spider-Man films. And uh, really with uh, Marvel Comics messing around and changing everything that I'm used to with my Spider-Man, and I haven't really actually enjoyed most of the animated series that are on Disney XD. They're okay, but they're very childish, and uh, I, I expect a little bit better. I still love the old 90s series. You know, it was a little goofy and cheesy and campy, but uh, it still dealt with Peter Parker having to have a normal life. And uh, these modern cartoons don't seem to do that. So this is what I have for Spider-Man coming up in the future with a cinematic universe, which I've been wanting for him to join. So I'll just have to buckle in and uh, trust that somebody's going to get it right. Uh, I don't necessarily trust Sony to to give me what I would hope for a Spider-Man, but with Kevin Feige in there, uh, I do have some high hopes. So, but there we go. We have an Aunt May. Okay, it was just announced this week that there will be a Han Solo anthology film. Now, don't be confused by the term anthology. I know it sounds like a collection of films. It is only going to be one film. Uh, Christopher Miller and Phil Lord are going to helm it. I figure that means they're directing because the writer, I have learned, is Lawrence Kasdan, who is both a writer and a director. He's known for writing Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Big Chill, uh, Grand Grand Canyon. He also wrote The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and has, of course, worked on The Force Awakens. Perfect writer. I, you know, I'm not that necessarily sure about the two directors. The only things that I've seen that they did was the Lego Movie and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, but they did the a 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. Did anybody see those? Nope. <laughs> well, the Lego Movie I saw. Yeah, I saw the Lego Movie, and I have seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and I did enjoy those. Uh, the 21 Jump Street ones—they looked a little dumb to me, but apparently everybody likes them that sees them. So. They're good with comedy. Uh, I think also working with scoundrels. So, yeah, hey, if you're going to have somebody do something with Han Solo, I guess they're a pretty good choice. Now, this is slated. Uh, let me find the date again. I believe it was in 2018 we can expect to hang it. Yes, May 25th, 2018 release. So it's a long ways off. But I tell you what, this is what I was expecting when they were talking about side project Star Wars films. So I was a little surprised by uh, the announcement of uh, well, I completely forgot. What was that? Rogue Squadron or Rogues? Anybody remembering this better than I am? I wish the Skywalking Through Neverland people were here. Yeah, I kind of do too. I completely <laughs> forgot that the Velosky should have been in on this. Because <laughs> they would have been like, yes, it's this movie, and they'd have been super excited. So, but, Well, Richard and Sarah, if you ever happen to hear this, we were thinking of you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the only movie news that I really know of. Has anybody else heard anything cool this week they want to throw in? No. Chirp, chirp, chirp. I I, I, I I saw a movie preview. Oh, did you see the Ant Man preview by chance? I, I did. Yes. What'd you think? It was uh, it was in what uh, what is it now? Twelve D, I think, is what they're up to now. They had 3D films and they had 4D and then it keeps going. And so now I think they're actually physically hurting you as the, uh, as the film is going along. And the reason I say this is because the preview takes place in the It's Tough to Be a Bug Theater. And so, like, at one point as Ant-Man is being thrown out of a, a, a bathtub by some water because he's gotten small and water has pushed him out. He lands on the ground, cracks the floor tile, and for some reason they stick you in the back <laughs> with the stingers. And I, I have, But apparently they've gotten to that point. Uh-oh, we lost audio. Uh oh, we lost Paul. We lost Paul. He just fell off the earth. <laughs> oh, Maybe he got shot down by that twelve D. Oh, well, I guess <laughs> I have to represent uh, WTTM. <laughs> See, I'm sure he'll. Why you did not badmouth Disney attractions in previews? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Disney Marvel has located him. us and has taken Paul out. <laughs> Damn it, Hydra! <laughs> hey, watch your language. This is a family podcast. 
Well, we'll keep going and figure Paul will be able to join us here in a little bit. Uh, don't you love technology? Uh, but uh, the next thing on our agenda, that I, speaking of being uh, with 60 years in Disneyland, uh, one of the number one things I know that everybody kind of thinks of with structures around Disneyland and things that makes it unique other than the castle would be that partner statue. And so we do want to take a little time a little to uh, remember Blaine Gibson, who was the sculptor. Oh, there's Paul. But so, yes, <laughs> Blaine Gibson, who was the sculptor of the partner statue. Now, if I remember this story correct, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Blaine had been around as an Imagineer or working at WED and had sculpted a bust of Walt. And Walt had seen that and says, well, why are you doing that? We don't need that. But he actually had kept it, and later when Walt had passed and they wanted to commission the partner statue, he had that reference bus that he had done. Now, am I remembering this properly? Mm, new to me. But that's the, that's the story as I have heard it, that he had kind of made a bust, but Walt didn't really want a representation of himself while he was alive at least. Yeah, that's news to me. Okay, well, I feel like I better fact check it now. <laughs> but yeah, I know I've heard that story before. But yeah, nobody's okay, heard anything true. different. Yeah. So it wouldn't so surprise me. <laughs> so it's a true story remember. you made up. <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't make it up. I actually heard it on another podcast <laughs> no. a long time ago. Um, it was probably Communicore Weekly or something. They do a lot of Disney history uh, segments. Uh, I'm going to look up this type of thing here because I know that uh, it, was, it was dedicated in 1993 it stands at 6 foot at 6 foot 5 inches tall but what was only 5 feet 10 so hey larger than life there you go hey 5 foot 10 is a good, very good height that's how tall I am so it Let's was dedicated see. Well, on November 18th 1993 which is Mickey Mouse's 65th birthday Fantastic. Uh, well, I am finding Gibson started at the Disney Company back in 1939 as an assistant animator and worked on Fantasia and Peter Pan. And then in 1954, he joined the Imagineers, and they were tasked with making Disneyland Park a reality. And by 61, he was made head of the team sculpture department. Uh, he did work on the Hall of Presidents uh, all the way up through George W. Bush. Uh, but sculpting was apparently only a hobby until Disney had taken some notice of him because, you know, Walt was good at finding somebody's talent, even though they weren't aware of it and really getting them developed and creating a lot of great things. Um, but I'm not finding that. Ho somebody send an email podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. If you find out if the story that I had heard was true, that uh, he had actually made a sculpt of Walt while Walt was still alive. And then Walt said, no, 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 you should destroy those things. We don't want it. But he actually kept one, you know, thing, which he did use later to make sure the partner statue representation of Walt did look like Walt. And I, I promise I'm not just making this stuff up. I have heard this story before. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll just go with that. Uh, course, but now that we have, I, I heard a story a while back that they were going to close Disneyland for Kanye West too, but that didn't end up being true. And I, I saw it on all kinds of websites. Um, I, I'm on the D23 website right now, and I have a quote from Gibson. Um, and I, I quote, "I chose to depict Walt as he was in 1954. I think that was when Walt was in his prime." It was tough trying to match the media image of Walt Disney, the one the public knows, to the real-time Walt, the one we knew. But there's nothing said about an earlier sculpture. Yeah. Well, it was just a bust. He would, he would, it wasn't like a full, a two-to-be-displayed sculpture, but it was uh, a, a basis in order to make something of Walt. But Walt apparently did not want one, anything made of him. That's the story I heard, but okay. <laughs> Somebody's either going to confirm or completely destroy that later. So, But we'll find out, and if somebody emails me or sends us a voicemail, which you can find our voicemail line at neverlandpodcast.com, let us know so we can know for sure if that's some actual Disney history or just uh, I heard that story somewhere and repeated it and uh, we're wrong. Uh, but now that we have Paul back with us, uh, we have not yet inducted him. This is his third visit to Neverland, so he becomes an official Lost Boy. 
And we are officially going to call him Lost Boy DePaul. But now, Paul, you have to take the vow. The vow is that you must grow wise, grow strong, but never grow up. Okay. And I'm going to grow smaller, too. Is that okay? That's fine, because you're also going to grow stronger as you're exercising. Yes, absolutely. So there you go. You are already growing wiser and stronger, and so now you just have to never grow up. I Simple. can do that. Yes, yes very there easy. You go. Welcome to the Lost Boys. That's uh, that's why I disappeared earlier because I was getting lost. Ha ha! boom. I was lost, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now he's found. Was blind, and now he sees. Okay, well, this is getting stupid real fast. <laughs> Hello. Look who you invited onto this show. I represent that. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was meant as a compliment. Oh, yes. Oh, hey, I proved my stupidity already today at work a couple of times. I left my cart somewhere at a place I delivered to and even forgot where I put my phone when it was in my pocket this morning. So, yeah, I, I, will, I will resemble that remark. Okay. But uh, <laughs> moving right along. Moving right along. <laughs> All right. So the Disneyland Park has now been around for 60 years. Now, I haven't got any visits under my belt, but I wanted to be able to cover and talk about some people's memories that they've had over the last 60 years, although nobody here is over 60 that I'm aware of uh, that uh, has was there as they were a child. But uh, I know a lot of you, since you were a child, did have visits to Disneyland. I'm sure you've got some great memories. Uh, so we're just going to go around the room and uh, talk a little bit maybe about the first time you visited. Uh, and uh, work our way around and just talk about some different things, some rides maybe that you miss and things like that. Uh, uh, and we'll start with some of the earliest visitors that I know of. I, Magic Joe, I think, was probably there before any of us. What year did you, was your first time you visited uh, Disneyland? Seriously, my very first time was in 1959. Wow. I was four years old, and you do the math. So was so so was Disneyland. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I was there when I was four years old. I remember going down with my family. I have vague recollections of it. I remember having an old souvenir um, uh, Disneyland souvenir book, a cap, a plastic cap. That they're gone now. I wish I still had them because I know they're worth a lot more now. I wish you still had it. Yeah. Great. And then after that, I went back in 67, and then annually thereafter, pretty much. Annually, like every year? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> at least once At least once since then. So what was your favorite ride when you actually started having memories of, uh, of going? Oh, well, I'm wearing a T-shirt now. It would be uh, Adventure Through Inner Space. <laughs> I knew it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you know, it was coming. <laughs> I mean, what else? I mean, I I played a few uh, recordings on uh, Window to the Magic uh, mm -hmm. of it. So, yeah, it was always my favorite. I mean, there was something so mysterious about it. I mean, just even walking in, not knowing what was going to go on, just the sound effects. I mean, even the soundtrack, if you want to call it a soundtrack, was just bells and all that. It was it, it's melodic. It was just, yeah, scientific. And the legendary Paul Freeze. And, and yep. speaking of Freeze, uh, this was actually a free attraction, which back in the day Ooh. of tickets meant that someone like me or Joe, who was free from their parents for you know a couple of minutes to be able to go and ride rides, would be able to go and ride this ride repeatedly and not have it use up a bunch of tickets. And so as yep. I was growing up, I rode this over and over and over again, just off, on, off, on because of that. And wow. so it, it, it also became my number one favorite Disneyland attraction. Well, I guess that answers the question I was going to bring to you, Paul. <laughs> and what so, is that? Which, uh, what was your favorite attraction when you were young? The only thing we don't know is when, what year do you remember when it was you first went? Oh, my favorite attraction was the people mover. Oh, and, uh, 
<laughs> hey, there you go. Um, but uh, no, it's um, 1973. 1973. I still 1973. have the uh, the souvenir guide. My uncle, before he died, gave me the original souvenir guide that we had gotten from that visit. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been going for quite a while. Not as long as Joe, but quite a while. Quite a while. Okay, well, we'll move over next door to Jesse. So, Jesse, when was the first time you went to Disneyland? Uh, like Joe, I went for the first time when I was four years old. 1959. Like, like 1959 as well? 1983, <laughs> right before my fifth birthday. <laughs> Uh-oh, we lost sound on Jesse. Oh, hello, hello. There you are. Here I am. Lost boy Jesse. Yeah, we lost him again. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my first trip was 1983. And do you have any memories from four years old? Anything come to mind? Uh, let's. See. I I know that that then they did not have the ticket books. It was write all you want. And I think we pretty much hit it's hit Fantasyland only. I remember mm-hmm. Small World, uh, going through the underwater scene was the coolest thing for me. It just felt like it was extra cold in that room. That was amazing to me. Especially on a hot day. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember the temperatures at all. I was too young for that. Of course. Um, But just going through Snow White, going through Casey Jr., going through... I think we we did Mr. Toe and Peter Pan. But yeah, just that area of the park was where I remember everything. Interestingly, it was the only time I went where Adventures Through Interspace was open, and I do not remember going on that. My parents swear that we did. Hmm. So what was your favorite ride growing up? Growing up, well, it's hard to say because the first two times I went, I was either four or six, and then not again until I was a high schooler. So things changed quite a bit in the interim. Um, as a kid, I would say probably small world, uh, but once I got to high school and beyond, that big Thunder Mountain Railroad was top of my list. And how about you, Eric? What's the first time you remember going to Disneyland? Well, uh, the first time that I went to Disneyland, I was at the ripe old age of one in 1976. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, just, just having a great time on the Matterhorn and, oh, wait, wait, no, I was one. I was one back then. <laughs> but, uh, you know, something must have stuck with me because when I went back three years later, the ride that I absolutely loved the most, not so much but more of an attraction, was America Sings. Mm. Just uh, sitting in the theater, listening to the music, you know, being surprised every time uh, Pop Goes the Weasel showed up. Yeah, it was just, it, it was just fantastic to... You know, this four-year-old kid riding around and just seeing all of these figures coming to life and singing. Uh, a lot of the songs, I, you know, you know, they're what you hear growing up as a kid. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just really captured my imagination. And when I went back a few years later to find out that it wasn't there anymore, I, I, I think I had a full, well, I didn't fall into a tantrum, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was upset. Oh, poor Eric. Do you have it on DVD, but, Eric? Uh, I, I have it on uh, YouTube in a form, but uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I can at least see that. But I'll, I'll give you a copy. Though, ah, thank you, thank you. Fortunately, yep. even though America's Things was closed when I went back, there was that other attraction down towards the front of Tomorrowland where I had to try and figure out where those little people were disappearing to back over in the uh, Adventures Through Inner Space. Ah, uh, yes. I'm not yes, quite putting the dots together. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Adventures Through Inner Space was uh, in the same location today where um, Star Tours is. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a little short jaunt from one to the other and to suddenly pick up on this brand new, to me, attraction and just try to figure out how large people got into these dune buggy shaped vehicles 
and they enter the mighty microscope, and then all of a sudden you see them teeny tiny figures going through the microscope and towards the towards the the snowflake. <laughs> ah, okay. So this must have been something on the inside of Adventures Through Inner Space. Then was this like oh, yeah. they had like a monitors? I guess you could watch people going through. Oh no, they're uh, you, know, you have the large microscope. Mm-hmm. You enter into the microscope, and then there's this clear section of the microscope uh, where you can actually see small vehicles moving through it. Wow. So a complete illusion they had created there that kind of right live in front of you. No, exactly. it was it was real people. It was really small people. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> arms were moving and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah you bet. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, I have a question about Space for those who did, did experience it. Uh, Paul already said it was a free attraction, but if you could rank it A through E, where would you rank it? Oh, boy. Um, um, go ahead, Joe. I, I already know well, my answer. At the time when there were the A through E's, and at the time I went, the E tickets were like uh, Haunted Mansion, Pirates Caribbean, those type of rides. Would I consider Interspace that high? No, maybe a D. Yeah, that's exactly what a, I was saying was a D yeah, ticket. Yeah, same here. Yeah, exactly. And I think I know where Jesse's getting at. Uh, Jesse actually found a uh, price listing and uh, and a letter guide of all the different tickets. Actually, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago off air. Uh, I suppose you've got that list up again, do you, Jesse? Actually, no, I don't. (laughs) Oh, no, I was just curious. Yeah, he looked it up. It was actually very interesting how how uh, the pricing of the different tickets were and how the, the different deals were and then what rights were considered what level. And I was thinking when we were talking about before, it's like, oh, man, I should have recorded. This is very interesting, Jesse. I wonder how quickly you could pull that site up again. You probably um, know where it is, right? Work, working on it right now. Working on it. Okay, well, we'll come back to you on that one. So of all the, well, some of this I think we've already answered. Of the extinct attractions now, I guess, what is the one you missed the most? But I guess the answer to that would be Adventures Through Inner Space and America Sings. Well, the Country Bears. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Country Bears. Absolutely. And, and you know, just, just all of the Tomorrowland. I mean, my favorite attraction of all time was America the Beautiful. Yeah, I don't circle know what to think about that ride or, or attraction. Vision. It was a circle vision? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I've heard the audio of it, and it is a, some really great audio music that I have, like, source audio. Uh, but I never understood what the attraction was. I didn't know what was going on. So was it uh, like a grand tour of America in circle vision, or what, what was the ride like? It was exactly what you just said. It was a, a an overview of what America was, all of its uh, all of its highlights. So it took you to, you know, a lot of the different states and different things from from you know Utah to Florida to Hawaii to California. You know, I mean, all over the place, and uh, and you got to experience all that is great about the United States all in one place. Fantastic. Yeah. And that is, uh, as America sings, by the way, um, I, I did hear you mention Eric, that that was a ride. Uh, see, I had always envisioned what, cause I've heard the audio of American sings as well. Uh, and I haven't seen any footage. I'll have to look that up on YouTube. Uh, I was under the impression that it would be a show, but was it actually uh, something you rode through and you would see the different characters singing the songs as you rode through or uh, what was that attraction like? Well, the, the, the closest equivalent to anything that's out there now is the Carousel of Progress, where you sit in a theater that rotates around a central stage. And on the stage, there's, what, I believe six sections or four sections that uh, the animatronics are on that uh, do their set. Once the set is over, then the seats, you as the audience, rotate to the next scene. Oh, so it was a show. But it was also a ride. Very cool. Now, uh, do any of you have any any memories of uh, 
and I'm trying to think of uh, what it was called, but it actually had uh, Mickey and other Disney characters singing various different songs. It had animatronics of these different characters, and I cannot think of the name of it for the life of me. The Mickey Mouse Review? I believe that is it, yes. That was a Disney World, was it? Oh, that was Disney Disney World. Okay, sorry, wrong park, but, you know, that's me not knowing things again. (laughs) But now uh, I... I... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I I was friends with uh, the late Disney great legend uh, Bill Justice, and as far as the Mickey Mm -hmm. Mouse review, he was the one that kind of conceived the whole thing from paper to to the animated show that it was. So that was one of his shows. Yeah, I hear that they they have uh, rebuilt it, I believe, in Tokyo. It's still actually a popular attraction. I would actually would like to have seen that in person. That sounds like it was really cool. Um, Now, this is also something now. Hopefully this isn't something I heard on another podcast that turns out to be completely wrong. But speaking of America Sings, I hear a lot of those characters were actually moved over into Splash Mountain. Is this correct? Correct. Yes, that is correct. It's no good item goes unused. Now, does anybody know of anything else from an extinct attraction that was moved over to another location? Well, well speaking uh, of, also, uh, they went from uh, America Sings to Star Tours as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. What the uh, the animatronics themselves, but not necessarily the outer appearance of them, I guess, was moved that, over? That's correct. They, they were stripped of their um, costumes and just the um, skeletons are used. So there are actually naked characters from America Sings over at Star Tours. Yeah, the G2 droids. <laughs> just look at their feet. You can see that they're wet. Yep. Well, now that's, that's interesting. That's what G2 stands for, is is they were formerly the geese. Huh. Fascinating. All the now, interesting this, things. This, now, now, this might be a sad one for Paul, because I'm sure, like me, Paul loves Big Al. But I know that the animatronic for Big Al has been repurposed uh, and is used in the Haunted Mansion Holiday. Do you know what uh, character he is now? Oogie Boogie? The, yep, Oogie Boogie. Well, there you go. Oh. So you can still visit Big Al after all. Interesting. Anyone, yeah, anybody know of anything else that was uh, repurposed? I, I know of one other, uh, but this is uh, Epcot rather than Disneyland. Oh. And one of the uh, Dreamfinder characters was repurposed and used at uh, Disneyland Paris in the Phantom Manor as the Phantom in the Western Town scene. Huh. Yeah, see, they never let anything go to waste. They just move it. Pretty brilliant. Although I heard something about something is buried underneath something and... You never know what stuff you hear is like rumor, and I don't even remember what the details are, but there was something that just kind of got buried, and they just put concrete over where it was at and built a whole new thing on top of it. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Nah, let's not even go there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 yeah. Tony Baxter can say more about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh Aha, so there is some truth to what I vaguely remember. I'm not saying there is or there isn't. I'm just saying that that story does exist, yes. Hmm. <laughs> now, you know, one other thing about repurposing, just it has nothing to do with animatronics so much, and this is actually something that I learned from uh, Patrick Hurd, is that the <laughs> uh, rock work along the Big Thunder Mountain Trail uh, are leftovers from the, great, uh, from the mine train ride. Ah, yes. So who got so to ride I, the original? Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that there are arches that are over by the, the I'm forgetting the name, but the, the petting zoo area. And then, of course, there's uh, rock work and scenery over close to Big Thunder Mountain's entrance, as well as you can still see some remnants of the ride uh, from uh, as you're going around the rivers of America. Who actually uh, got a chance to ride the original mine train ride? 
whatever they called it, venture the wilderness experience or something. Mind changing yeah. nature's wonderland. There it is. There you go. There you go. Well, I have. Oh yes. I it was have many my time. So. so tell us about that. Okay, well, uh, I'll just do another plug. Well, on WTTM, I did share one of my recordings of that ride. Um, it was very low-key, just a s- slow-moving uh, train ride. You go through, you know, past waterfalls and past uh, bears and animals and uh, the painted desert kind of thing, and geysers and, and uh, God, what else was there? Uh, <laughs> rocks. Yep, I was getting to that. <laughs> then, you come into the, then you come into this dark uh, caverns that they call rainbow caverns, and it it has this melodic uh, sound, a music that some podcast uses. Uh, so. Wow, so, so there's a podcast that's actually stealing audio from a Disney park? Hey, we're not stealing it. No one steals. No one steals. <laughs> We are paying tribute to a past attraction. There you go. So, it was a fun ride. And that was the one that was framed around the original nature documentaries that Walt Disney liked to produce, I believe, correct? Pretty much, yeah. Now, did anybody get to actually attend the park when they had stuff like pony rides or was it donkey rides? (laughs) Oh, yeah, mules, I believe it was. Yeah, there you go. Because that's uh, when you hear, and uh, I've been playing a series of uh, audio clips from the opening day of Disneyland, and some of the things that they used to do was uh, very, very simple compared to what's there now. I mean, because, you know, mule rides, you know, petting zoo. Uh, but, of course, some of the also opening rides was, of course, the Autopia which on the opening day uh, is rather fun. They had a lot of celebrity guests that were actually riding and enjoying the Autopia, like Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Frank Sinatra, and Frank Sinatra's, uh, I believe it his son, if I remember correctly, was coming around. Uh, we heard that, uh, I guess that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of the more simplistic uh, rides were there until, like, 1964, after the World's Fair. And, of course, then we've got... Uh, Great moments with Mr. Lincoln and Small World. And uh, were there any other additions that somebody could remember from the 1964 World's Fair that I might be forgetting? I believe there was some sort of a, a tower of some sort, wasn't there? Oh, you might be thinking of the Tower of the Four Winds. That's uh, the one. Which was, yeah, which was a mobile that was uh, outside of the It's a Small World Pavilion at, if, while it was at the World's Fair. But uh, that did not come with the ride back to Disneyland. But uh, actually, I think I believe uh, hearing that it was actually destroyed uh, before it could uh, make the journey back. Oh, well, that's too bad. But uh, it was a really impressive tower from everything. I've seen a lot of moving parts to it. And, uh, you know, the, the facade that's on Small World, you know, reflects a lot of the same design elements that went into that uh, into that sculpture. See, another extinct att- attraction, and I don't know what they called it, but they used to have, uh, I believe, uh, I guess you would call it a gondola or some sort of a skyway. And I mean, has anyone gotten to ride that before it was extinct? Oh, skyway to Tomorrowland. The Skyway to Fantasyland and the Skyway to Tomorrowland, that was my favorite attraction at Disneyland. I mean, that you got to go up and see an aerial view of Disneyland, and you got to go right through the Matterhorn. It was awesome. Yep, and I, I loved Walt Disney's explanation for why there were holes in the Matterhorn to accommodate these gondolas. It's a Swiss mountain. It's like Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. It was was a fantastic ride uh, to to get that type of a view and to see everything. And, you know, just my last trip, I I was able to get a nice little picture of the Fantasyland uh, uh, Skyway Station. Um, Because who knows how much longer that's going to be around. Yeah, uh, I I hear there's a lot of remnants of a a lot of different rides. Uh, In fact, I think the People Mover 
still has some sort of remnant of it still in existence, even though it's uh, not doing anything right now? Yeah, the tracks. <laughs> but I, I think Jeremy's speaking of the um, cash register area inside the, the Little Green Men store outside of the um, <laughs> Bud Light. Oh, no, yes. Mm, I was not aware of that, actually. You need to read my blog. Yeah, there's a lot of articles I have not read yet. <laughs> what what blog would that be? That would be the questforvaultdisney.wordpress.com. Which is now actually your official address over at Disney, Indiana. <laughs> That's correct. Oh, and congratulations, <laughs> by the way. I did hear you winning a prize there off of Disney, Indiana. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing what I shall receive. Awesome. All right, so now can anyone think of any other bits that uh, of extinct attractions that maybe has left something behind, uh, perhaps a tribute? Well, I know of at least one the, tribute. Hmm? Well, we, we, we definitely have a rocket in Tomorrowland based off of the old TWA rocket. Which was the uh, journey to the moon? Uh, that's the moon oh, liner. It, yeah, the moon liner. It, was, it, it in and of itself was not an attraction. It was a you know, just a, a part of the the skyscape there in Tomorrowland, but it was outside of the. Uh, I don't know. I want to call it Mission to Mars, but uh, yeah, it's to the moon. original moon. Yeah, quite, quite to, to the moon. moon. Yeah. But uh, now there's a a replica, a smaller replica of it outside of Red Rocket's Pizza Port, and at one time uh, you could buy a drink there and it would shoot up from underneath the ground up into the waiting hands of the uh, outdoor vending cast member there to to give it to you. Uh, okay, I'm trailing off now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the cast member would catch it and the neat part was there would be no phone, no fizz, no phone that would not explode. Yeah. I wonder how they did that. Disney magic. Disney magic. There you go. Now, did, did anybody get to ride the uh, uh, Flight to the Moon ride? Oh, God. Flight to the Moon was my favorite attraction at Disneyland. I used to ride that all the time. The fact that when you took off, the seats dropped out from underneath you to simulate the pressure and everything. I loved that. Awesome. Oh, wow. It was great. Yeah. I was on it as well, and of course, I had audio on the window to the magic. <laughs> From the t- actually, it was not. This was one of my first nonstop recordings because it was tape, and I'm trying to save tape. But I, as soon as I walked in, you see the pre-show, and uh, once we entered the the rocket or whatever, whatever the vehicle, and and leaving, so it's all it's all there. All right. Now, are there, are there any extinct attractions that I have not mentioned that we need to talk about? Anybody? Break it. Well, I think Break we it. could go for a whole show about Century Bear Jamboree, but oh, well, uh, we did. In the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Paul's second appearance. For anyone who uh, doesn't know anything much about the Country Bear Jamboree, uh, goes. Uh, let's see. What was that back in January? I don't know. Was, go look through our archives. We did do an entire show, and I had Paul on there because he is more of an expert on it than I have, having had a web page about the Country Bears, and I, of course, being somebody who had never seen it before. So, very, very good show. Lots of fun information, and even talking about Paul Berry's uh, being an extra in the Country Bears film. Okay, well. Moving on from there, I figure Jesse has located the uh, information about what it used to cost to get these ticket books. You would think that he has, but he has not. Really? (laughs) Having a hard time locating it? Every time I do a search, I lose my audio feed, and so I'd rather be part of the discussion than be a researcher. Okay, well, I will just hop in there and see if I can find it. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Mickey, neither the size of a mouse or looks like a mouse. Discuss. (laughs) Nothing, huh? Nothing? Nothing. (laughs) 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 I 
mean, seriously, that is the biggest mouse I've ever seen in my life. <clears throat> well, since you're looking up the uh, since you're looking up the ticket prices, I mean, I remember it. I think it just differs each year. I believe, like the A tickets, the earlier ones were like ten cents, if I recall. That's yeah, I think that's some of the information we had found from before. Uh, but uh, I do have a, a listing. In June 1959, amid the completion of Disneyland's first major expansion, Disney introduced the E designation for the park's most popular attractions and made the new Submarine Voyage, Matterhorn Bobsleds, and Disneyland Alweg Monorail E coupon attractions. Additionally, the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad, Rocket to the Moon, Rainbow Ridge, Pack Mules, Rainbow Mountain Stagecoaches, Mark Twain Riverboat, Sailing Ship Columbia, rafts to Sam Sawyer Island and Jungle Cruise, all previously D rides, were upgraded to E, and E remained the highest attraction coupon designation for over 20 years, and several E attractions were added throughout the 1960s and 1970s. And in 1971, the coupon system was duplicated at the Magic Kingdom when it opened. Yeah, and I think one of the things when uh, Jess and I were talking about this before, we found that D was... Uh, you could actually get a D ticket uh, for about the same price as I think it was the C ticket. Uh, I know that was true in 1972. I can't speak to any time earlier than that. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, and this is for here's the summer of 1972. Uh, a tickets, coupon or 10 cents. Uh, that was the Main Street horse cars, uh, the horseless carriage. The Omnibus, the Fire Engine, and the King Arthur Carousel and Sleeping Beauty Castle, uh, of course, the walkthrough. Uh, the B Ticket in 1972, coupon or 25 cents. That's the Main Street Cinema, the Motorboat Cruise, Swiss Family Treehouse, Casey Jr. Circus Train, and Alice in Wonderland in Fantasyland. The C Ticket was 40 cents. Uh, Fantasyland Theater, the Mad Tea Party, Autopias, the Shooting Galleries, Peter Pan's Flight, Dumbo's Flying Elephants, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Snow White's Adventures, Mike Fink Killboats, and Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. And then the D two the D tickets were seventy cents, and that is the Rocket Jets, the People Mover presented by Goodyear, Flight to the Moon presented by McDonnell Douglas, Storybook Land Canal Boats, Skyway. Tom Sawyer Island Rafts, Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes, Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad, the Columbia Sailing Ship and Mark Twain Steamboat, and the E-Tickets in 1972 were 85 cents for adults or 75 cents for children. And that was the Mine Train Ride in Frontierland, the Pack Mules, the Jungle River Cruise, the Disneyland Alweg Monorail Trains. I have no idea what the Alweg is supposed to mean. Uh, we'll probably have to find that out later. Uh, Matterhorn Bobsleds. It's a small world presented by Bank of America, which is odd because I always thought that was only UNICEF. Uh, Enchanted Tiki Room presented by United Airlines. The Submarine Voyage. Pirates of the Caribbean, the Country Bear Jamboree, and the Haunted Mansion. And then the free shows was Walt Disney, A Legacy for the Future, the GAF Photo Salon, INA's Carefree Corner, Frontierland Arcade Gun Collection, Pepsi Cola's Golden Horseshoe Review. That was a free ticket? Wow. Uh, Circle Vision 360, presented by the Bell System. Carousel of Progress, presented by General Electric. And Adventure Through Interspace, presented by Monsanto. Now, did anybody ever get to see a Golden Horseshoe review while we're thinking about it? I used to go to the Golden Horseshoe all the time. As a matter of fact, I I fell in love with uh, Slewfoot Sue uh, as as a boy and uh, always wanted to be the, the guy that she came out into the audience and kissed his forehead because she would come out she would find some guy and you know she was looking for a man she was looking to settle down and uh, she would come out she would find some guy typically a big heavy bald guy and she would sit on his lap and she would sing the song to him and she would uh, would then kiss his forehead and of course she had on bright red tons of lipstick and it would leave a big lipstick kiss on his forehead. And unfortunately being a boy, I never got picked. Oh yeah. Until, until the tribute uh, to the um, golden horseshoe came a couple of years ago during the uh, 
minute of magic or whatever that stuff was called that they were doing uh, sh- short-term memory loss magic or whatever. Um, where they time magic. Yeah, that's it. And they brought it back. And, uh, and I, now being a big, bald man, thought about this. And when I went into the theater, I sat in a spot where she would be most likely to choose me. And she, in fact, did. And so I finally got my kiss. A childhood yeah, there was a YouTube video of that incident. Yes. Um, just before we go on any further, um, you were asking about Allweg earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, Allweg is actually a Swedish um, company that makes straddle beam monorails. And it's named after the, uh, the, the Allweg, Allweg name is actually an acronym of the guy who owned it. Uh, his name was Dr. Wenner Grin. Um, so his, his name was actually Axel Leonard Wenner Grin. So A L W E G Alweg. And there you go. There you go. So we don't have to wait till later to find that out. You have now found it out. Yes. Well, this was actually later from when I said that that's kind of where I thought we'd be going is. Well, later in the show. I couldn't have told you before you asked, so of course it would be later. Of course it's later. So I use, you know, see you later even can mean see you tomorrow because tomorrow is technically later. I'll see you later. It could be to, to, well, now. Hi. How are you? Hi. There you go. <laughs> and Good we're to see back. You later. And we're back. I hope everybody enjoyed that little trip. <laughs> I hope everyone was paying attention because we will not be doing that again. Did you edit that out? <laughs> editing what's that just checking <laughs> okay uh there is actually a very interesting article uh from may 9th 2013 on the disney parks blog if you would actually like to see what the old tits look like uh and uh i'm going to make a copy of this and i will put this link into the show notes but uh some very interesting little pictures now uh, I'm sure if you happen to have any of these tickets still available on you, they're going to be worth a lot more than, say, a quarter to 75 cents. I'm pretty sure somebody would like to give you lots of money for those particular tickets. But uh, they weren't really uh, fancy. Um, just kind of have a uh, imprinted kind of uh, texture on there and labeled with a A, B, C, D, or E. And uh, actually were color-coded as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, you'd be surprised at how common ticket books are. Uh, really? You, yeah, you would think that, the, like you said, that somebody would want to give you a lot of money for them. But, uh, but no, uh, they're actually, if you go to a Disney and a convention, you can buy ticket books right and left, and, and they're all over eBay and stuff like that, too. Well, I guess I learned something else today. <laughs> there you go. There we, if anybody's at a convention and wants you think of me, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, if somebody wants to sponsor me over at D23 this year, I'd be very happy too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But uh, we better start getting this wrapped up. But uh, we do have a special event that is coming up very soon. It's time for Friends of the Magic again. And uh, that's what coming up in August, right before D23 there, Paul? The Friends of the Magic Gathering is happening August 7th through 9th at the Disneyland Resort. Join your favorite podcasters and fellow listeners for a weekend of friends, food, and fun. I've never said that before. <laughs> Seems very rehearsed. You're, you're almost like a natural at this. Find more information online at friendsofthemagic.com. And I'm sure you've got a long list of podcasters already set to appear there. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I've got it right here. Oh, hey, I guess quick run through would be awesome. No, 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 that's fine. Okay. (laughs) And and unfortunately, I'm broken, so no one will be seeing me at the Neverland podcast there, but that's okay. Well, we can hold up a picture of you so that someone will see you there. There you go. I, I will just have to send you a big picture on a big wooden stick and you'll hold it up and say, look, it's the pan of Neverland. It's the pin on a stick. <laughs> on a stick. And then people can throw eggs at it all they want. <laughs> Hang on. There's no selfie sticks in Disneyland. We can't do that. Ah! Oh, it no. Would, it, it would only be a selfie stick if he was holding it himself. 
Right. So it would be uh, a, a very it, merry unselfie stick. It would be an Elsie stick. It's somebody else. There you go. Would that be an Elsa stick? No. Oh, that's a completely different podcast. Good night, yeah, folks. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> well, you know, if you did have a picture of my face to hold up, you can say, this is what I looked like before I lost the weight. Don't I look better now? I don't know if that was the sound of Mario falling off of the cliff or what. Do 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 do. Okay. Bueller. Cricket. 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 Okay. Once again, reminding everybody who we had with us. Of course, we had our our own lost boy Jesse can be found at Quest for Vault Disney dot WordPress dot com. Lots of fun for you to say. Yeah, easy for me to say. Uh, and then and I Eric, think a lot of men to say that. <laughs> That's right. Doggone it. He's a, he's a regular contributor and a co-host on here. So, yeah, he, he gets a lot of pay in pixie dust. <laughs> Better than course, cream bars. Uh, yeah, there you go. See, it could be worse. It could be the Mortis. Oh, although Mortis doesn't get ice cream bars, he only gets the sticks now. So, yes. And, and then Eric Warren, uh, no website that I know of for you. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm available on Twitter. Uh, my handle is e which is E-D-O-U-B-L-E-D-U-B-Y-A. There you go. And then Magic Joe. I know you're on Twitter. Is like what, Magic Joe 1, I think? Correct. And the same with Instagram. And if you're interested, sometimes I'll put in some, some of my older uh, Disneyland pictures. <gasps> cool. Okay, so I'm definitely I'm going to have to look over your Instagram here later because I would like to see those. That would be very cool. Yeah. And, of course, Mr. Paul Berry from Window to the Magic. Window to the Magic. And this would be a good time if I could go to left channel and right channel. I would do it. Maybe we should just all do a sing-along of the Window to the Magic thing. Or, 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 or not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, once I'm done giggling here. Okay, well, anyways, thanks, everybody, for coming along here onto this panel. It was fun having you on there, and it was nice to finally meet you there, Magic Joe. Well, nice meeting you, too. And now you're going to say, oh, my gosh, I hope I never have to deal with that crazy guy again. So, (laughs) not me. Neverland, you never want to come back. (laughs) (laughs) But we're definitely looking forward. When might be the next time we might hear some... uh, some Disneyland memories from Magic Joe. Is that coming up anytime soon on Wonder to the Magic? I was planning to do it this summer, but because of work and personal life, it, it just got hectic. So I, I'm sometime soon, yes. Let me awesome. put it to you this way. Even people that have submitted shows to me, I haven't had enough time to put the shows up. So even if he did send a show to me, you wouldn't be hearing it anytime soon. So. Oh, Yes. Well, that's okay. We understand how busy you've gotten taking care of yourself, and it's paying off, so we're proud of you. Yeah, you've been doing thank good. Thank you. Thank so, you. Speaking as yeah. somebody who has been a supporter of Window of the Magic and continues to support because I know you're working hard and you're getting healthy, and you're so that way we can have some Window of the Magic for another good 20, 30 years because you're going to live a lot longer now. So, Thank you. I'm definitely still in your corner. Okay, but uh, all right, everybody, like I said, thanks for coming on, and I hope everybody's had fun here listening to uh, all these goofy people that we are. And, gorsh. Uh, <laughs> Will Gorsh. And uh, we'll see you all here on the, the, next, the other side of whatever commercial I'm about to play right now. Disney music fans, the time has come. It's the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Your vote will determine this year's top five Disney songs. Vote now at poll.neverlandpodcast.com. That's P-O-L-L dot neverlandpodcast.com. And listen to the Neverland Podcast to see which Disney band rises above the competition.
as usual, I would definitely like to thank you for tuning in this week and downloading and listening to the Neverland Podcast. And I invite you to come back next week. Um, it's going to be fun. We've got San Diego Comic-Con that's going on right now, and I'm going to dig up as much information of everything we've learned about the Comic-Con and present it to you next week. I'll see if I can get us some audio from some of the panels. Uh, I'm pretty excited to hear of the new things I'm expecting. We'll maybe hear, you know, maybe there'll be a new Star Wars trailer. Uh, you know, there's so many things that could happen over the weekend, so I'm definitely keeping my ears open even though I'm going to be out of town. But I do want to remind you to keep that pixie in your pocket. And by that, of course, I mean to keep that young at heart and good attitude. Keep that pixie spirit with you and re- make sure you share a little pixie dust with some other people because other people need that handshake or a hug or even just a kind word from you. But until next week, remember, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on twitter.com slash neverlandpcast and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Good night, Neverland! When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.